This month, Capra will release their new album in transmission via Blacklight Media Records, mixed by Taylor Young and mastered by Brad Boatwright. The resulting album is reminiscent of late 90s and early 2000s hardcore and punk with a metal edge. With their venom spitting front woman and hard rocking riffs, it's hard not to be enamored with the lightning charged assault of these southern metallic hardcore devotees. Purchase your copy of In Transmission by Capra now at blacklightmediarecords.com slash Capra. Once again, In Transmission by Capra. Pre-order now, blacklightmediarecords.com slash Capra. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, all my friends out there. How are you guys? It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I'm always joined by... Howdy, neighbor. I'm Brandon Hahn, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at YourBuddyGooch. And... I'm Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N, sharp like a sharp knife. And on uh, the old ticky-tucky at Wizard of Jaws. And make sure to follow our other co-host, Sylvia Alvarado, at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on the good old Instagram. This week, guys, oh... Such a great chat, such a great time. So happy I get to promote the new record from Gojira, Fortitude. We have Joseph Duplantier on the show, and we are here to talk about Fortitude in its entirety and everything. That record is coming out April 30th, guys, so make sure, make sure you're pre-ordering it. But before we get to our interview, let's jump on in and finally do our jobs and talk about the Metal Sucks news. It's I love it. New God. New God? Who's the new God? You. You're the ones giving him the, the, the media, so you're their God for now. For now. Oh, that's gross. Yeah, I know it is, I but it's like a fact. That. It's kind of what they do now. First story, guys. Dave Lombardo, drummer of Slayer. Great, great, great drummer. Love him. Awesome dude. Um, he said that Slayer wouldn't have survived if they debuted in the internet era. Thoughts? Jocelyn, go. No, they'd have been canceled in a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, here's the thing. I hmm. Number one... How would you be able to debut when you were like a foundational band? So yeah. it's like without Slayer, how would where would we be right now? You know what I mean? So t- that's why yeah, taking Slayer out of the metal world. Yeah, that's it, that's what I'm saying. That's a that's, major piece. That's a major piece of the metal world. So that would be a hard thing to take out. Yeah, yeah. So it's a hypothetical that is kind of impossible because when you take away what Slayer meant to metal and what Slayer meant to music as a whole yeah. is part of history, then you can't really gesticulate what it would be like if they came to be now because Ooh, part part of who they are is that they came out when they did yes. and they were such pioneers at what they were doing yeah so, it's almost like going like dude if you get rid of the wheel we would you know like it would be <laughs> weird you know like okay i think you guys are looking at this the wrong way the internet was invented in 1985 go oh if the internet was invented yes, in 1985 yes. well, the inter- if the internet era 
It's oh, obviously in like 2000s. Dude, no. Even, but if they came out in 1985, tape trading, all that stuff's out the window. But that's when the internet happened. That's when <laughs> records were getting stolen by the Napster kids. That's what he's saying. Slayer wouldn't have survived. Uh, I disagree just because I think with a band like that, that would come, first off, it would have been a completely new sound. Okay, if you're talking 1985 and they just come in with a completely new sound, the kids would have jumped on. Rain and Blood was 86, so yeah. that's really where I feel like... Here's the thing, man. The fact of the matter is this. There are, there are parents there are parents out there mm-hmm. that have 20-year-old children that have Slayer tattoos. Okay, so those kids grew up with Slayer. To them, that's their Neil Diamond. Well, you know and, what I'm and, saying? And, and that time, if the internet existed in that time, uh, Slayers being offensive would still have appealed to the demographic that, uh, that yeah. it was appealing to. You know, young punks, young rockheads, young metalheads. Right. Like, so I don't think the internet changes anything for Slayer. I think what he's saying is if... Slayer came out in the day and age of now where they want to pick apart every little thing you do, say, feel, and think. The band would have quit. The band would have quit. Mm. See, I, you might That's have been, what I think he's saying. See, yeah. I, I'm thinking that, and I also think the fact that uh, the, these bands aren't getting money. I mean, it's That's, like you need, yeah. you know, the fact of the matter is Slayer did come up in the age of a golden age when, you know, bands got paid and they got money and they actually had enough money to go out on tour and they'd be able to cover their expenses. Life Nowadays, ch- life changing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and because the money and the money in music also, you only had so many places you could spend your money at Sam Goody, at the concert, yeah. at, you know, at the record store, <laughs> you know, like those were the places you could spend money on music. Whereas now any band who has an internet connection can upload their album. And there's this saturation of any market right now in entertainment is so heavy that mm. it's just a different experience. I and, think. I, and I do feel like that's the main thing is that the inter- internet age killed commerce for bands but it did get all these bands that were unheard of uh, out there so it helped all these bands that's the positive of the internet is that hey if you're a band in wherever hey you can reach everybody immediately that's the positive but i think the commerce aspect of what he's talking about with slayer was necessity for them to keep going i think maybe that was just the attitude back then but um i don't i i I don't know man i think slayer would have uh survived and uh again i think I when you when you come out i feel like they would have been bigger to be honest with you yeah. because the internet would have got them out to a larger audience and they were a new sound you know and they were part of that thrusting i think they would have uh, infected a lot more people well and that is the thing about slayer's career is they have gotten exponentially more famous and more influential as their lives have gotten and they're old now you well, know like and now they're but they're now they're the most influential and the most famous they've ever been well that's the thing extreme it's, metal yeah, yeah that's the thing it's yeah. because they're the band that Hindsight, came up yeah. through the underground and now they got the respect because they were being seen as the ones who did it their way they didn't listen to the record producers they just kept focusing on what they knew was right whenever you're a band that can do that it's amazing how often does that happen now though because again the people with the money they have all the the ability to get the streaming out now now it's like try putting out a song without any backing whatsoever or without any type of internet popular internet radio station or internet podcast like we have right now it's like dude Getting that kind of music out there is next to impossible. Well, and now it's getting to the point where if you don't go viral on TikTok, your music's not going to make any money. Right. And it's, you know, the, the industry is ever changing with the internet and how it goes. You know, that's another point that he, you know, that's a good point is that maybe they would not have participated in the social media aspect of it and their band wouldn't have been as popular. But but that that's what I, I really think social media to me, and I don't know the whole rules. I know a lot of guys are DIY, but I think social media is really run by, that should be the label's job to figure that out. Well, I would and, want and, nothing to do and with And that's that sort of the 
thing now yeah. that TikTok has sort of taken two steps back in my, you know, I'm, I love social media, so I'm always on it, but it has taken two steps back. And I've just noticed is whereas Instagram and Facebook musicians and MySpace, even musicians were putting their own music out there. Now it's back to where labels are using TikTok to get their musicians music out into the world. So it's sort of been, we're back into where the music industry does have a hand in, in you know, right. it's well, a little the, less indie again. The labels, the labels ended up figuring out that like, look, our only job is to get this in front of people. And when they, and when they shifted their focus to that, instead of get an album cover, get, you know, make sure you do radio interviews, make sure you get on Rolling Stone, make sure you do this. Now it's just like, look, put all of our money into advertising on TikTok and, 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 you know, Instagram. Yeah. Sites like that. And the thing is, again, the people with the money, it's so funny because it was brought up. They're like, oh, we're giving the, the power back to the artist. And it's like, now. No, no, no. If anything, you've taken even more power away from the artists and you're putting more power back into the scumbags that have been ruining music for the past 20 years. I do feel like um, everything you're saying about social media, again, is is right about exposure. But when we do talk commerce, I I don't know if so. I I mean, there's probably some sort of translation to Instagram followers versus commerce. Yes, I do think that's true because the more people that want to know about your life and want to be a part of you, would somehow support you, but I do remember a long uh, years ago. I remember it was, it was I think it was Sebastian Bach that said, "Hey, I got like three million followers on uh, Facebook, and my first week record sales were six thousand copies of my album." So I, I mean, don't know, but I don't know if but it, that's it the thing about the social media you know? commerce <laughs> thing, though, and and it's kind of interesting. It's this weird thing where the the thing that you do doesn't make you the money in social media. It's the brand deals and the collaborations. Yeah. It's almost like you're making nothing, but you're making something. You know, if, if I'm a great musician, my music isn't where the majority of my money is. The majority of my money is that this brand sponsors me. So I wear their shirt when I'm playing on my TikTok, and then I collaborate then, with this yeah, other famous Slayer, band. Slayer so, being banned in a lot of places back then, then they wouldn't have that opportunity. Mm, so they might not yeah. have survived. Yeah. Going and, back to the story. And know? all I'm hearing is guys, when you were making music for yourself, now it's all about making music for a brand. And that's the only way you're going to be able to go out there and actually make some money. If you're making music to yourself, that means something, put that shit in the back. That's not going to get you anywhere. Write a song about Pepsi. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's all I'm hearing. Well, it's not even like that. They just, they, it's more like they, they poach these people that are already yes. doing talented things. They're not asking them to change their music or anything. Like they're still making crazy weird shit. They're just like, here, put this t-shirt on. You know well, what I mean? They're either saying, Hey, put this t-shirt on, or they're going to use that song in a Buick commercial. And it's a song that, you know what I mean? And it's just, uh, again, when you, when you're a hit factory and you know, when you're one of these bands that just knows how to make a catchy tune, a Royal blood comes, comes to mind. They're, they're, they've got their third records coming out here on the 30th. And it's like, they're just a hit factory band, yeah. but they're, but they're rock. They're, they're, they're classified as rock. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's a lot of electronic music, but it's like, that's a band that just knows how to make a Buick commercial. They know how to make an Apple commercial. They're all their songs well, are going to be and, but, like that. They're just going to be super catchy. But you're catchy. talking television. I'm talking social media. Totally different commerce thing. When the, those brand deals are not the same. It's not like, hey, I love your song. Let's use it over a commercial. It's hey, I like what you do. Let me send you a PR box that you're going to unbox on your TikTok, and it's got a coffee mug in it. It's not the same. It's not like this influential thing of the old school. It's more of like this. 
it, that's what I find interesting. It's the sociological thing where they're not even like doing the thing where they're like, Hey, write something for our commercial. It's like, Hey, you've already made something. Will you make another video doing the same thing, but right. wear a shirt? She's saying influencer money versus music. Right. Money. It's, 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 the, it's, it's just it's like a different art form. It's like not art. even like a thing. It's just like, here, do the same thing you just did, but wear this Pepsi shirt. And that's how they're making right. their money. Right. But what I'm saying is, so though, is these Slayer, people, these people though, when you're, when you're aiming towards the masses, which are the advertisers, that's what it is. You're yeah, but you're thinking of it backwards it, with influencers. It's not like that. It's passive income. So it's, it's not, there's no thought about it. It's, I already like what you do. You have a following Wear my Pepsi t-shirt. Right, right, right. And that's how they make money, not right. off their streaming sales. So they're not getting it off the streaming. They're getting it off of the fact that yes, the people do stream their web, their, what do you call it? Their songs and shit. But yeah. really where it is, is Pepsi writing them a $10,000 check. Right. Because, their endorsements. Yeah. Because yeah. their, their audio is viral on TikTok right. or whatever. Right. So would Slayer survive in the internet era if they started off or the internet era got pushed back to 1986? Jocelyn, yes or no? I don't think so because to your point, I don't think they would have been able to participate in like the, in that you have to make your money doing the thing that you're not trying to do almost kind of environment of social media and the internet. And Brandon, that's, and what do you think? It's like, I think there would be no, I don't. I just think with everything that Jocelyn just said, I mean, it's like, could you imagine somebody Pepsi or, or any band or anybody with money coming to Slayer going, hey, wear this T-shirt while you talk about <laughs> Joseph Mengele on your yeah, fucking exactly. your song. So and but that's but that to me is sad, though. Because now you're just making music for the masses and the people with the money, they only care about the masses. So they're just going to be focusing all of their money towards pop music and things that actually uh, have more of a underground feel, more of an individualistic feel like metal does. It's going to, you know, it's falling by the wayside. And it's like, granted, that's why we're so passionate about this art form, because it constantly gets disrespected. It is where the most talented musicians play. And it's always getting pushed in the back for wet ass pussy. You know what I'm saying? It's just that's where we're at right now. I think they would survive because at that time, censorship was a big, big deal. And I know the Internet blew that out of the water. But I think if it started at that point, what they were doing would still have been like, no, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. And I think a rabid fan base would have followed it. They would still become Slayer. Yeah. They just wouldn't have made money like they like Mm -hmm. the big bands are making now, I guess, is my point. Because to your point, yeah, they would have still become Slayer. There's no way they would have been had more access to more people seeing and hearing them. But when you're saying they would still become Slayer, it's like, but look at but what makes Slayer is not just the band it's the amazing catalog they've put out for decades you know I mean, it could have f- changed their musical output yeah. that's very true because they might have had to do things that they didn't want to yeah yeah, yeah that's true that's put true. out more music or be willing not to take uh or, or be willing to just not have the money i think a lot of the artists you know uh that that survive and have a great following and that have an amazing live audience and crowd and all that stuff. I think that when it comes to that aspect of it, yeah, the commerce part, I don't think they, they make the money where back in the day that was an expectation to sign and make a a huge amount of money. You know, I still think they probably make money. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying it's, it, it can't be, probably the same because there's no way the stu- there's no way the the uh the label would Well, and I've been money. watching a lot of these yeah. indie artists blow up on social media and with the Spotify landscape and how it works and a lot a lot of these guys, I mean, metal across genres, they get one song that blows off off Spotify, they make a little bit of change off of it and you know, that's really it. And, and then they you got know, split it how many ways? Yeah, and then it's on to the next. Next story, guys. On to the next jaws. <laughs> Following your lead. Jocelyn and team. <laughs> Van Halen's record label wanted the band to change their name when Sammy Hagar joined. Sammy Hagar said he would not have done that. 
What do you guys think? I, I'm glad that Sammy was the one that put his foot down. He was like, because he came into it. And look, Sammy Hagar by himself was already a very successful solo artist before Van Halen. He would have been just fine right. without those guys, to be totally honest with you. But uh, um, but the fact that he came in and he's like, look, I know what I'm joining. I'm joining a legacy. And the only way Van Halen would have been successful past David Lee Roth is you needed another giant name in rock. Sammy could do fucking everything in music that's the thing it's like everybody puts van halen so high and, I, and they rightfully so can't say can't say anything else but it's like but sammy hagar really was an innovative and he was and he had a, an amazing voice and when you look back on it sammy hagar's voice sounds a thousand billion times better than yeah. dave's does right now you know but there is a, that's kind of amazing when you think about it to have two like incredibly iconic like lead guys like that one after another you have to understand to have for sammy to step in he has to be able to fill the shoes and that's the thing and it's like and then after sammy hagar they got gary sharon who was also an accomplished singer but everyone but he's he was Not nowhere Sam. near no. sammy it, hagar. it's hard but I, I think when you are someone like van halen i mean look at black sabbath went from ozzy to dio you know same thing people want to play with you yeah like, that's those, true those musicians are like the 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 top, you know, but it could have, yeah, I think there's a risk because like Brandon said, Sammy Hagar's career was fine, but Van Halen's, if it didn't stay on top on top. And I mean, they were following what 1984 at that time. I, I do see the labels, uh, point on changing the name, but the reason I, I guess I'm more, uh, uh, against, against it is because that's their last name. That's the brother's last name. That's what I was going to say. Like why, so, why against <clears throat> changing the name just because of what? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, like the David Lee Roth show or anything like that. So no, nah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't do it, but I, I feel truly if they did change the name, same success would have happened. Yeah, it I think mattered. those songs and, and that band for what they were, it was a different sound. It was a different band. I mean, you can't say that the Van Halen and era with David what? Lee Roth and Van, ha- Van they Hagar sold are- way more records with Sammy. That and is a did. fact. Yeah, that is a fact. People don't want to give Sammy the credit. They always want to shit on it. Oh, Van Hagar, fuck you! But dude, that band was highly successful. I remember that song right now being played ad nauseum, bro. It yeah. was always being played. You could not get away from it. That that brings in the argument of uh, the Black Album by Metallica is better than Master of Puppets because it sold more copies, though. You're right. That doesn't. You know, yeah, that doesn't, doesn't mean anything really to me. It just. But, it just. It was catered to more of the masses than the original. Which sound. is. Which is yeah. like back to the point from the last story. It's yeah. like commerce and music were never meant to be crossed. Like you should be paid for your art, but it's like it's such a bad. It's such a bad success metric for artists. You are right. Money. You, you are right. But I, but what I am going to say, though, is to your argument with the Metallica Black album being their best, and with Metallica was so underground until the Black album. Van Halen was never really underground. I mean, it's like, yeah, when like there was there were stories you hear stories of Eddie Van Halen when he was in the 70s. When he, this before Diamond Dave was even on the band with the band, this is when they were mammoth. Uh, he would play with his back towards the audience. You know, now it's like, you know, now he would just go out there. Oh, wait a minute. Why am I playing with my back towards the audience? These fuckers can't do what I can do. And then all of a sudden he just they just blew up overnight. And Metallica, it was not like that. 
it was a lot of a lot of uh, what there, there's the story they would call it what the losers lunch where they would just put just eat straight bologna no bread no cheese just bologna and they would be they there would they would be go pulling into a city where they're sleeping on U-Haul blankets when Van Halen was touring I don't think they were doing that it wasn't to, it wasn't that extreme Van Halen was already pop stars. music that's what I'm saying so Van Halen was already pop music even though it was rock. It was pop music. Metallica wasn't until that album. But I think that backs up even more, not changing the name. Because to your point, from Hagar's perspective and to Pete's point, you want to join this iconic band. I'm not joining. Let's say I get a chance to sing for Metallica. I don't want to sing for Jawstallica. I want to sing for Metallica. Right, right, of course. Yeah. Last story, guys. Before we get into our interview with uh, Joseph Duplantier from uh, Gojira, guys, Fear Factory put out a new song. Now I am—it's just been cringe after cringe after cringe with Fear Factory, man. And I—I I mean, I love the band. Brandon can attest; they were one of those bands that really changed my mind uh, as a as a fan of metal and and just kept me down the road. And Obsolete was the record that really did it for me, but Demanufacture was a big one. Um, <clears throat> And dude, I love Burton C. Bell and I love Dino and I've supported everything they've done throughout their careers. But the the lawsuits, the fighting, the drama, hatred, the drama. Oh God, it's just like I, I want Teenage nothing girls. to do with any of this stuff. And and now Burton C. Bell, he uh, came out and said that in 2019 when they reunited, they put out a record called Mechanized. That was the first one. I don't know if it was 2009. I'm sorry. In 2009 when they reunited, Burton C. Bell just stated um, and right before they put out Mechanized and he said that he only did it for the money and that eventually when they did Gen Exus, that Dino and him got into an actual physical altercation. The record Mechanized, I thought, was amazing. I loved it, okay? I wasn't super happy, but you had Gene Hoagland on drums. You had a, a, a tight band. It was great. And uh, I was back on the Fear Factory train, all of those. I loved the Industrialist as well, even though it had a drum machine. And then Gen Exus was, was excellent. So they've been on this great creative streak but now i hear that all those records was just for money okay and then they're fighting backstage kind of it kind of it doesn't I have no surprise interest. me as a, as a huge fan of this band i i have like I'm, i have like no interest in their new record none well, just because of this press dude you know what's funny is brandon and i are in entertainment and we know what it's like to be around people who will use any means necessary to get attention mm. and that is what that shit is. When you're the kind of person who becomes famous and good and you happen to have a talent and then you do anything, any means necessary to get attention. Let's make this album just for the money. Let's fight so we can get press. Let's do all this bullshit. Like it just makes me never, ever want to support them. Like, yeah, when you're not, when you're taking, when you're the, there, we live in an air, we live in an age when you got to consider all, your fans. Well, I think, I think we just yeah. live in an age where they just, I hate how we have, totally given into the uh all press is good press and dude no it's not and i think you know it's great that people are talking about you and stuff like that but when they're talking about you when it comes to this garbage and not your music like what are you doing when your music is the afterthought of yeah the album was pretty good but like it's not let me give you the drama right Right. it's like that's not what we're we literally just talked about sammy hagar for uh, i'm sure we had to edit out 45 minutes of conversation we just had because he's an incredibly talented musician we're talking about the music first and foremost we didn't mention a fucking wife a fight 
a nothing. But you can't talk about Fear Factory for two seconds. Right. Without two seconds. talking about the fighting. Yeah. So it's like the music isn't even the focus anymore. And it's just getting to the point now where for me personally, I'm also at an age where I like I have no patience for the bullshit. So I'm like, I'm just not even trying to deal with it. Either make your music and put it out or stop making it about this well me and we're fighting and we punched each and like uh, okay if i gotta buy a ticket and go to a show and feel like i'm picking a side yes it's like it's it's like mom and dad fighting it's like dude your fan base is out there both you guys are adults you're older than us in the room and it's like you guys gotta stop this bullshit we got our own drama at home Um, the, the song that got they put out was disruptor um and Burton C. Bell's singing on the record. He's on that song, which is also really weird because we know he, he hates um, Dino and he said that the GoFundMe was it. for his lawyer fees and all this other crap and Dino took the name from him and all, all that stuff. So now I'm listening to a song of Dino writing the, the background music and Burton C. Bell singing the song and I'm supposed to just be like, whatever, they're doing it for us? No. Right, like you, you don't know, know like, in your head that they were recorded in two different studios across the country right. from each other oh, as God. far away as possible. It's like, we part of the thing that you I love picturing about new music is picturing them in the studio together, picturing them writing, picturing them playing, picturing them vibing off each other and when it's stuff like this you're just you're just packaging shit we just it's talked just about packaged it. commercial bullshit yeah the commerce part of the the game is not really there the live show the touring us seeing supporting the band buying the shirt that's where the money goes for the bands and that's what i think you have to make to your is your focus it sounds like burton is like you know what i'm done with fear factory so fear factory shouldn't exist a lot of people feel that way so i get it but i also feel like hey man if you're if your voice is on that record and you got all these fans that you made for 30 years just take a deep breath and realize that you cared about those songs at one point let's not keep this press going like i mean you know down the road i'm sure that when the when the album comes out that an interview is going to come my way and you know i'll be supportive and i'll do what i can you know but my point is is that it's just it's uncomfortable for me even as an interviewer as a fan yeah. to talk about this and and not have because I don't want to bring up Burton C. Bell in an interview. I don't fucking care about that shit. I don't want to bring up the drama. I want to talk about the music and support the bands and all that stuff. But it's inevitable that I have to. And that's the worst thing when you're in like the role that I have to interview people when you have to talk about the drama. It fucking sucks. So anyways, Chemical Warfare, the new album from Escape the Fate is out now. The album features collaborations with Travis Barker of Blink-182 and award-winning violinist Lindsey Sterling, bringing a new dynamic and style to the band's signature sound. Chemical Warfare adds to the legacy and brings a bold new chapter to the musical output of Escape the Fate. Chemical Warfare, the seventh studio album from Escape the Fate, is out now. Go to escapethefate.com, exclusive merch bundles, and check it out on all streaming platforms. And with that, guys, let's finally get into our interview here with Joseph Duplantier from Gojira. Everybody, what's going on? Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I have Joseph Duplantier from Gojira, and we are here to talk about the new album, Fortitude. It is coming out April 30th, guys. Ecstatic as a fan. We've heard four singles already, but I wanted to touch base on the uh, the important one and what you guys are doing with the uh, Amazonia single can you tell us about um the track the charity everything that goes into what's going on with that song the music video all that yeah we um we wrote a song about the amazon forest after seeing all the images of the the fires uh that happened two years ago that shocked the whole world 
and then uh, we didn't hear much about it when the virus took the, the scene. And uh, uh, we, we showed up at the studio that day, we're in the middle of writing songs and we felt really heartbroken and very heavy. And we picked up our instruments and started to jam that, uh, uh, you know, that riff. Uh, thinking about the Amazon forest, it, it has a very primal, you know, vibe. And, uh, um, and then I wrote lyrics about, you know, uh, how the Amazon is uh, a symbol for, um, um, of destruction and how our behavior as a species, you know, towards our environment. Uh, and how important it is to protect the forest and to understand what's going on there. And we are partly responsible because we are consumers of the products that are, uh, uh, you know, um, the soybeans and the, the, the cattle, you know, uh, industry, the meat industry, um, gold mining, all of that. Uh, North America and, you know, Europe and Asia are the biggest clients. Uh, so we are, you know, involved in this thing. We decided to do something uh, to be part of the solution um, rather than being only part of the problem because we are consumers. We live in, in the modern Western societies where, you know, it's hard to, to know our impact uh, every time we uh, turn on the car or the TV or uh, the, when we buy food and buy exotic fruits that we don't know where they're from. We have a responsibility as consumers, as uh, citizens of the world. Um, we wanted to do something, do our part, you know, at our own level. Uh, so we organized, we put together this operation, worked with the website uh, Propeller, who's a, you know, activist platform to raise money, donations, auctions, and, and so on for, for causes, for different causes. So if you go on our website right now, there, there's this auction where you can buy instruments from, from the band Gojira and from other bands like Metallica, Mastodon, Korn, Deftones, uh, and, and a lot more. Slash is donating a hat and a guitar. Mm. Uh, there's some cool stuff that are going to show up on the website. There's a, a bass from Justin from Tool uh, to buy right now. Um, and all this money is going to go to a group of indigenous leaders that got together and... and um, and created this NGO, uh, APIB, APIB um, to uh, support them in, in their uh, lives and, and to build hospitals, jungle hospitals and, and, and stuff like that. They're going to help them to be stronger and fight that evil that is devouring the forest right now. Um, so, yeah, it's going pretty well. Uh, I did a video explaining the project. I'm, I'm talking about it a great deal in all the interviews that I get. I give and uh, um, I, I ask people to donate a little something just to, to show support, even if it's just $1, it goes a long way. It's going to be a huge list of people that, uh, you know, showed some support and cared and that that's almost as important as the money itself. Absolutely. And it's beautiful for everybody that doesn't know is Gojira slash music.com. That's the website guys. That's Gojira's website. And it's right there on the front. You can click on the picture and you can donate to win and all the people involved. And I'm glad all the interviews are bringing that up right away because it's such an important cause. And you did bring up the supply and demand that we have in our westernized uh, cultures that kind of um, sometimes dictate more than the human element and the nature element. 
And um, that's something our, in my entire lifetime, I'm 40 right now, um, that I've seen so much positive stuff go towards it, but it always takes a few steps back when people aren't paying attention. So I think it's really important that you put another spotlight on that. Do you feel similar with that as well? Yeah, that's very well put. And uh, um, I think artists have a responsibility in 2021 to uh, to show up. And it's not new, you know, artists have been you know, doing stuff for, uh, for decades, you know, uh, for, you know, the problem, hunger problem in the world and uh, ecological problems, the oceans and the forests and the homeless and, uh, you know, people in need. Um, we cannot wait for, uh, after governments to change things, we need to sometimes to step up and, and do something. So it feels really good. It feels really good too. It's it's also a selfish thing in a way, you know, because um, I I feel good in my shoes participating in, in something positive, um, and seeing the result and seeing that people care and it's just a matter of you know putting um, in front of people like a way to participate. So there's a little, little bit of work behind it, you know, homework and and a lot of conversation, a lot of phone calls. Uh, meetings with activists to, to make sure that uh, we could put something together that is really making a difference in a very concrete way. Um, and we're receiving pictures from from the indigenous communities and the, the progress they make. And uh, um, some of the money reached them already, but not all of it. There's a big chunk that's going to be uh, donated to them. Uh, we don't see that money. It's not going through our organization. It's directly paid to this website propeller, and then er everything is donated to to this uh, NGO. So we're very excited about about that. There's something really pure about this transaction that is being made, and we made sure of that. And that's basically what we did. Everything else is, you know, people working, and a lot of we got support from a lot of people. Uh, you know, lawyers working pro bono, and the, the record company. Uh, some of the people at Warner and Roadrunner that are paid to just, you know, work around the release of the album, you know, really got busy on that and helped us and brought us our support, our management, our tour manager. I mean, it's beautiful to see, you know, people putting energy towards something meaningful. Yes, absolutely. And, and I do too, as a fan, and I always have felt that, that, that art has, um, whether it be music, movies, paintings, anything, the human element has always been what has taught us, stuck with us, and has shown us that, you know, the importance of charity. And it's also something that we consume. And this kind of segues into the next question, the latest single, Into the Storm, is that it, the song is really about laws, things like that, if I got this correctly. And um, us as consumers, the power we sometimes forget we have. Us as um, people who live in society, the power we have if we collectively don't feel something is correct, our actions would change those things. Um, can you touch a little more if that's where the song's kind of about? Yeah, it's about, you know, the ocean is made of uh, many drops and uh, we are all, you know, drops in the ocean and sometimes thinking, oh, if I do something, it's just a drop in the ocean. But yeah, but that's what you are, a drop in the ocean. That's all, the only thing you can change is that drop and hopefully your actions will inspire the other drops around you. Um, um, all, you know, great ideas or revolutions came from individuals. And that song is sort of um, um, reflection on that concept that we do have the power. 
Um, we're pretty obsessed with power in a weird way. Um, powerful music, you know, we're obsessed by creating powerful music that, you know, um, inspire uh, power. And um, it's, it's a terrible thing to feel overwhelmed by what's happening in the world and powerless. Uh, it's important to be empowered for all the minorities, for all the, the thinkers that feel lonely out there. Um, we, we have the power already. Mm -hmm. We don't need to fight for, for power. We have it. When you go buy something, make sure it's not shipped from across the planet, for example, and try to consume local and try to re reduce your consumption of meat uh, because it's destroying the Amazon right now and the climate. And uh, these are not fairy tales. They're, 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 it's for real. So real things are happening. And we need to do uh, other real things to, to fix the... The problems and be part of the solution instead of being part of the problem but that, that was always very present in our lyrics it's mm -hmm. uh, very uh simple and uh you know it's not original but it's something that needs to be uh, uh screamed loud um i agree a thousand percent i feel i've always feared that as time goes on, the death of the individual um, could be the death of change. And I've always, again, they're coincided in, in um, just in my mind in a way, but I do feel that we, the more we have a group collective and the more we accept um, whatever's easy, convenient, and that's what you know, consumerism is sometimes, most of the time for us that are moving fast pace at life, that we are giving something up as our individual self and just accepting something that we might not be all about. Um, it takes work. Absolutely. Yeah. And if, if I may add, yes, please. It's also uh, it's also an effort to uh, uh, educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have this. Um, we have to re-educate ourselves because a lot of the um, how society, the setup of our societies, is based on competition. There's no, you know, number two. You have to be number one all the time and. And we learn how to be part of a system and how to obey the rules and, and not think. And we are, you know, we have a, a label, our name and our family name. And a, it's, it's grounding and we belong somewhere and we have a name and it's history. But it's also, it could be limiting. Um, there's somebody behind that social security number and address and phone number and, you know, Instagram profile. And who is this somebody? You know, it's a pure ball of energy that can do wonders. And we, uh, we have so much power. We use so little of our brain, you know, already, maybe 5%, 6%. Um, so there's room for improvement for the human race. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. With all this is reflection. I don't come as a messiah saying, look at me, I'm better, you know, because it could sound like that a little bit. But it's, it's rather an obsession to to um, go towards the light, you know, and find peace, you know, um, thriving for something here. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's positivity. It is saying, yeah. hey, look, look, you looked it within yourself, you know, Joe, and you're like, hey, mm -hmm. I can do better. And that's what we're, you're saying as well, which is, to me, I don't take yeah. it as a, you know, above anything. It's just more or less like, no, we can all do better. You know, we can all pay mm -hmm. a little more attention to, to make change better. And that's a, Fantastic, mm -hmm. fantastic message, and and I and I and I love it. And, and like you said, your band throughout you know the entire catalog has done that. Now the new record is a very joyful record. It's it's got a lot of strength to it, obviously. Um, and 
you know, you recorded the record, you produced it in essence as well. I know, I believe it was mixed by Andy Wallace, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. And it was mixed um, by someone else. But tell me about the process. And then you also did the artwork as well, which we'll get to. Tell me about the process of um, producing recording and then handing it over to a mixer and kind of how mm-hmm. the go, go between goes between you and them to get the exact sound you want for your record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we built a studio, so the, the, constru- the construction started in, in 2014 in uh, Ridgewood, Queens, which is on the border of Bushwick, Brooklyn. So there's this whole art scene and a bunch of hipsters and it's an up and coming uh, place in, the, in Brooklyn that is very exciting. Technically it's in Queens, but it's sort of part of that community. And um, uh, it, was a, it was an adventure to, to work on our first album in this studio was Magma. It came out in 2016. Uh, we did everything in there, wrote the songs, uh, recorded and mixed. And we had to face a lot of problems with, you know, the way those, the room sounds and some stuff were unfinished and we were still not familiar. We put too much padding in the room, for example. So as a result, uh, um, there's a lack of... Uh, it's not shiny enough, the sound to me in Magma. We had to fix that at mixing. But on this album, we really fine-tuned everything. Um, we were more familiar with the room. Uh, we decided to commit more while tracking. Uh, so it was a new angle on producing for my part. Uh, instead of being very con- very careful and conservative and and direct and record all the guitars with, for example, a DI box, which is a direct input that allows you to reamp afterwards. You know, when you do a metal album, usually, usually musicians and producers are very careful with the track guitar. They want to make sure they're going to be able to change the sound completely if they want during mixing. But we did quite the opposite. We we jumped straight to the sound we thought would be good on the final result. And for example, used a, an amp that is very uh, a lot of high end and a tally, uh, a Telecaster guitar that is very spanky and, and nosy, and uh, for some parts. And then for another part, we would use a Mesa Boogie amp or an EVH with a lot of gain and a different guitar. So the the signature of the album was already there while tracking, which is very inspiring when you track to have a, a sound that is pretty much what you envision for the final result. And we did all that knowing that Andy Wallace was going to mix it. And he's, he's an absolute legend, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the first Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. Nirvana, never mind, the Slayer albums, the, the first, you know, System of a Down album and the last System of a Down, Down albums and uh, so many great, great, great albums. Uh, KLCD, Sepultura, Roots, all of that. Uh, so we were super excited and anxious to, to send us the, the you know, the, the work we were doing in the studio that we were knowing pretty good at this point. Uh, and when he received it, he said, these are great uh, tracks. And we were in heaven. So he was able to just sprinkle a little bit of his magic and work with EQs, uh, very little compression. So it's, it's a very natural sounding album. Um, I think, and that's what we wanted. So for the first time almost in our career, I can say I am really happy with the result, you know? Beautiful, man. I do want to touch base, as I mentioned a little bit previously in the question, on the artwork. Now, 
for a lot of people don't know you you do you do the artwork for your guys's bands and all that stuff but tell me about what went into this project and why you felt this artwork was perfect for fortitude um you know organically even before launching the the uh, operation amazonia of course i had the song amazonia with the lyrics about the indigenous people but also the the track fortitude in the album is is sort of inspired by the 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 indigenous legacy on the, in this world and uh, the song the chant also is sort of uh, you know uh, applied for that um so there's this indigenous uh, vibe you know in the music and in the lyrics and we use a lot of uh, instruments and percussions so naturally i started to to draw um uh, you know a, a warrior in the forest with the, the spear i did many sketches some of one one drawing was a, a, a you know an indigenous person with a spear and, and and fire behind him you know but i thought it was too cliche and too dramatic and i, I wanted to stay focused on the beauty of the stance, you know, um, uh, a peaceful warrior. And it's also not only indigenous inspired, it's also inspired by the the, the Knights of the Round Table and uh, a painting by uh, uh, Klimt of uh, a golden warrior with a golden, I, I, I love the, um, the symbolic of it. And it, it goes with the idea of strength, of fortitude, of being able to resist in difficult times and to be um, uh, resisting the, you know, surviving in, in difficult times and because um, that's the meaning of the word fortitude mm. so i don't know this this cover i was doing a lot of sketches and working until late at night where you know you, you forget the time and um it was a wonderful experience then I, I i had to you know scan my drawings with the with what i have because it was during confinement i couldn't really you know go and, and you know buy a scanner and just I tried, but all I have here is a shitty scanner. <laughs> so I had to break it down in several parts. It was a bit uh, difficult to do, but there was a second part in Photoshop where I, I worked on the colors and I, I scanned a golden paper um, uh, that I, I got in a bakery for some reason. What was it like a like a baking or sheet or no? Yeah, that was in my dad's house. There oh, was nice. a, not a baking sheet, but when you buy a cake and underneath the cake, there's sometimes this, oh, yes. they put this sort of golden you know yes. uh cardboard mm -hmm. you know <laughs> whatever yeah. i scanned that and it became sort of the theme of the album because i wanted some gold in there of course it doesn't translate when you print it on the on the on the final uh, you know the vinyl or even when you look on your computer it could be mistaken with uh, a sort of beige earthy color um but I scanned that and I put it on top of my drawing so it's not a painting per se but it's also work on the computer after drawing the thing um, but but yeah i had a blast doing it that at some point i felt okay this is right this is representing the album dude i i love that i had no idea but i can now I, when i'm looking at the cover i can see that background in my mind with the uh you're, i don't know the mm -hmm. terminology i know bakers out there will be like you know it's this thing, but i know what you're saying and it does look like you drew it all um but it, yeah. it's it, that was just process a and then everything else you kind of did later right I mean, I have the draw the original drawing uh, here, and it's pretty close. But nice. I, I fine tuned it on Photoshop, and I had a blast uh, bringing things to life with some editing. If you look at the spear, mm -hmm. it's clearly uh, a knight's spear. You know, it's not an indigenous weapon, um, but the the shield is definitely 
um, African inspired or indigenous inspired. Dude, awesome, man. So, and that is something that I really like is that the universe went from the art, from the production. You, you've you've taken on every role and you've kind of mastered it. So, you can <laughs> I know be, it's go ahead. It look, it almost looks bad, you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh man, this guy's everywhere, all over this album. Um, uh, but yeah, my wife isn't happy about it. To be honest, She's like, dude, can you ask someone else to do this? Because I disappear in my cave for another two months when I assure her that, yeah, that's it. We're done. We're done. Mastering is over, you know. Oh, by the way, I have to do the cover now. Okay. See you in two months. <laughs> that's, uh, I can see that. I have a wife and uh, yeah, she would probably be like, really? Sorry. I just yeah, exactly. got to get right. <laughs> you know, like, and then at the end, mm-hmm. it's like, there's nobody prouder than me, than her. But right before I, I commit to it, it's always like that look. All right. <laughs> so, but you know, let's let's talk about like you guys have been together 20 years. Same four guys, you know, and a lot of bands in the metal world, they do have how lineup changes, but you guys have maintained a fantastic relationship. What advice can you give to bands um or or from your experiences to make sure you do hold your family together, the core together and the whole band together really for for 20 years or so? I don't know. There would be a a million advice I could give, but maybe it's it wouldn't make any difference because we're different people. You know, it's uh, I don't know. The stars were aligned on that uh, for us. We have uh, personalities that I think uh, function together. You know, mm. um, we we uh, we measured the importance very early on of communication you know um we we care for each other if somebody's not feeling well we'll, we'll feel it we're, we're we're pretty sensitive people so our uh our threshold of tolerance of you know weird situations is pretty pretty low we have to to understand what's going on what, what's up man you, you look depressed today you know and then we'll, we'll listen to each other uh, some bands, you know, are you know they want to play tough and and just oh, let's drink, you know, and they they get wasted, and but it doesn't really solve the problem. Uh, so communication definitely uh, is important, I think, for the dynamic of a band. Um, but I don't know, Mario and me were brothers. Mm-hmm. We're kind of the engine, you know, in the band. We work a lot on every album. We record a lot of demos, just the two of us, and and sometimes. The, the other two guys will show up and we'll do big sessions together and, and um, finish the songs or, or start new ideas together too. So we have a dynamic. Um, we're not, we're trying not to force things on anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also I would say that um, we are obsessed with music, with our craft, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily with uh, success. Although we're not, also turning it down if we, if we can be successful sure why not and we'll you know play the game of you know interviews and releasing singles and and taking pictures and trying to dress up a little and all that stuff you know mm-hmm. so we're definitely uh, uh hoping to be successful too but the main thing for us is the quality of our craft and uh if if a song that if we don't like a song it's garbage you know even if people would t- tell us that this song would sell a lot of copies, we're, it's garbage if we don't like it. So we have that compass, you know. Um, and also, our success was very progressive. Um, 
every album was a little more successful than the one before. So we never went super high all of a sudden, for example, with a hit on the radio that would make us lose our mind and start to argue for money or the lack of money also is something that, you know, is a threat for bands because they can't, it's not sustainable. So they end up quitting. But when there's just enough to survive, we split, you know, the money and look forward to the next step. And uh, somehow it made us, made us uh, stick together because we're always looking forward to the small progression for the next record. So very, very progressive. And uh, we're not going down. We're only going up all the time since uh, since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I, so I, we appreciate, you know, we appreciate every step. Yes, absolutely. I think everything you said makes total sense. You're right. That's a that's a that's a great great point. Um, I do want to one more one more question before I let you go, Joe. I know my time's kind of running out here a little bit shortly, but I do want to promote one more time, guys. If you haven't, April thirtieth, Fortitude, the new record from Gojira, first one for us in about five years, guys. Make sure you are pre-ordering it. Also, make sure you're going to the website gojira-music.com and support this charity, guys. It's very important that we show up as musicians, artists, fans, and all that stuff for stuff. So we remember there's other things in this world besides ourselves. It's very important. So with that, the last question I wanted to ask, touring is on the horizon. You guys got dates booked out here in the States. What is the, tell me the last show you guys performed. And because uh, I know you were patient with the record. You guys record the record before the pandemic and you were very patient and you're releasing it and you yeah. feel like this is a perfect time. But have you been patient with touring coming back? How do you feel about that? I am being patient because I have things uh, here in my life that are uh, super precious. I have I have two kids, and I'm, I'm uh, ecstatic to be able to see them the whole summer. You know what I mean? Like I, I, something for me is very precious here, and it, it, the only thing the only thing that could stop me from going on tour would be something like a global pandemic, for example. Mm-hmm. That would stop me from going on tour. But you know what I mean? So that happened. Uh, while my kids are still home and little, you know, and it's it's incredible for me to be able to be there the whole summer for the first time in their lives. That's very precious. Um, so that was the positive side. But of course, uh, after a few months, it started to itch, you know, not being able to release our album, seeing all these shows canceled. Um, uh, touring is also how we uh, survive, how we make a living. And so it's financially a little difficult these days and we have to be smart and adapt you know um but uh we'll see you know there's this deftones uh tour uh, opening for deftones uh which you know we love deftones so much so we're really excited to to see that happen it's been canceled last year uh again it's on the table for august 12 six weeks or seven weeks in the in north america um, there's a, it looks like there's a 50-50% chance for this to happen, which is huge, you know, yeah. in this day and age. I've def- from the feedback I have from all the professionals, you know, the people around me, it looks like it's not impossible it's going to happen. Fingers crossed. I, I am with you. I, I truly feel that this one's going to go down, like where I'm at, I'm in Las Vegas. And now we were on the first tour run, Las Vegas Deftones, you guys and Poppy, but not on the rescheduled date. So I'm a little sad. But hey, you're real close. Yeah. I, I can drive. Don't worry about it. But I do feel that. Um, <laughs> I do feel you, you were there in 
Are you saying you were there in San Diego when we? Oh no no no! Um, the first tour around, um, when you guys were the show, the the the, the show got or the tour got canceled, correct? Like midway. Mm, yeah 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 yeah. That's it, right. Vegas was. Now that you mentioned that, yeah, we we played with Deftones. That was our last show in San Diego uh, at the festival, right? I remember that. Yes, yes, that's I, right. I, I didn't I didn't make that one. No, but you because you guys okay. were coming through Vegas for uh, oh. you know, for this tour with uh, but again, it, it got rescheduled. It's cool, man. I'm not even worried about it i can always go to la or whatever you guys are near so and i'm super excited i fingers crossed as well really really hope that it's going to go down man but it's going to be an exciting tour and i can't wait till it gets back and uh just to to piggyback on as a father of two i feel this pandemic has been the greatest thing to to see my kids every day they taught me something Mm -hmm. new because uh they're young my kids are five and about uh, 20 months. No, no, not 20 months. I can't do math. Yeah, 20 months. Oh, super small. <laughs> so wow, so it's, yeah. it's been super small. But yeah, but I mean, new words, walking. I didn't miss any of it. <laughs> so it was a great year, man. So I know. How precious, right? Yeah, how precious. man. And, ne- and, and somehow it's good to be forced to be home because everybody's working hard. Everybody's trying to bust their ass to make a living. And unfortunately, a lot of people lost their jobs and yes. some people died. And it's... T- t- horrible situation but um uh there's some good stories in the middle of all that chaos exactly like you said Mm -hmm. man so with that everybody joe it's been a pleasure absolute bucket list talk that i get to talk to you huge fan of the band man thank you so much but everybody fortitude is coming out april 30th make sure you guys are pre-ordering it with that thank you so much my friend for calling into the metal sucks podcast thank you really appreciate this
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. and we are back first song you heard is the latest single into the storm 
and the second song, Amazonia. Both songs are off the new album, Fortitude. It's coming out April 30th. Fantastic record. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering their first record in five years, dude. Just a smile from ear to ear. Such a great album, guys. Make sure you're pre-ordering Fortitude, April 30th. Third song you guys heard is from a band called Evile, and that is the title track to their new record, Hell Unleashed. That is coming out April 30th as well, guys. If you guys did like it, make sure you check it out. So once again, Evile's Hell Unleashed is coming out April 30th. And with that, I want to thank everybody for the five-star reviews we get on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast, as a show, is if you guys do want to support us in any way, go ahead and click on that Apple iTunes, click five stars. That's it. We don't need comments. We don't need words. We need nothing. We just like to see that number grow. That's all we ask for. And if you guys do like documentary discussion podcasts, make sure you're checking out other podcasts, Rise to Offend. It's available on all platforms, as we mentioned earlier. This week, we'll be tackling the uh, life and legacy of Chuck Schuldiner. Um, part one of three. So it's going to be a, a three week affair, but it's going to be a, a long one. So definitely excited to do that with you guys. So if you guys are into it, go check out our other podcast, Rise to Offend. Until next week, guys. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.